Hi, Wes. Hey, Terry. How are you? Good, good. How are hey, you doing? There. I've had you on mute one second here. Oh, okay. Take your time. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> okay, great. I can hear you too. Sorry about that. I had you on mute. Good. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, thanks for, first of all, just thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, it's, I'm really excited to talk to you. Absolutely. I'm, uh, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah. So um, just, to, I don't know if you know anything about me or us or this newsletter, but just to give you a, we're just a, it's a weekly newsletter. It comes out, yep. it came out today and it's called the half marathoner. And so it's really targeted at, you know, the recreational runner, the, the, the person who's, but it's, we have basically runners in every category, people who sure. are just aspirational and just really starting versus people in, as well as people who are running really long distances and even ultras. So it's kind of all across the board. Um, but, you know, obviously I'd seen the article about you in the Chicago Tribune that would have had you at the beginning and was really yep. intrigued by just how you're approaching this whole thing right now, you know, just what we're all going through. There've been so many articles that have come out about running and how people are using running to deal with the stress and the isolation and all that stuff right now. Um, but if we could just kind of start with just telling to, cause what I'll do is I'll record this and I'm going to use it as a podcast for our newsletter. Sure. And if we could just start with telling folks a little bit about you and your background and how you became a running coach and all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thanks for having me. This is uh, this is exciting. I, so let's see, my running journey started in uh, roughly 2013. Um, I was in college. I played lacrosse in high school, um, pretty active there, but then in college was relatively sedentary, um, did a lot of stuff outside of uh, athletics. I was a part of the school radio and the newspaper, things like that. But then senior year was feeling a little out of sorts. I had some friends who went on some runs in the evening. So I just started joining them and I became a, a hobby jogger, you could say, going on easy runs at night. And then uh, for a couple of years after graduating, which was, I graduated in 2013, I moved from city to city on my own from jobs and internships and things like that. Didn't have a car, wasn't making a ton of money. So wasn't joining a gym. And the running hobby just was like a snowball that ran, uh, that was rolling downhill and collecting uh, kind of weight and significance in my life. And I, I moved to Denver at one point and fell into a trail running community there. I um, discovered what ultra running was and read Born to Run. And I think that's a pretty common story um, for, for young ultra runners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just kind of fell down the rabbit hole and I, I ran recreationally for about three years before I ever raced. And it was just a hobby. It was for myself. I really enjoyed it. But the thing is, I always from the start wanted to be an ultra runner. That was kind of just the community I fell into. And I wasn't um, extremely fast. Like I wasn't a mile runner or anything like that. I just like doing the long distances. So I was always going to be an ultra runner. And so my first race was in 2000 and um, let's see, it was 16 in California. It was a mountain race. It was just a a real suffer fest and a real learning experience. Um, but uh, yeah, so my eyes at that point were kind of open to, um, I guess you could say my potential and also um, how to train. You know, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, just running every day and hoping that I get fitter and fitter. Um, so it was at that point that things um, got a little more serious, I guess. I started working with a coach and became a bigger part of my life. And um, yeah, just, I mean, it's been a really natural progression 
of just a hobby that I like and that I've developed more interest in and invested more time in. And here I am like seven years later and I'm still just as passionate as I was day one. Um, and about a year ago, I started working with runners as well, just as kind of a natural extension. I built up all of this knowledge and I wanted to help people with it. So uh, very low stakes, you know, I'm not helping people um, win the Olympic trials or anything like that, but just uh, recreational runners who don't really know where to go or how to start. Oh, that's really cool. Cause I was going to ask you as you're a running coach and so how you got into the coaching. Um, did you just find yep. yourself almost naturally giving people a helping hand and just made sense to become a coach or? That's exactly right. I had a few friends who reached out, um, family members, things like that. My sister uh, ran her first marathon in 2017, and I coached her through that and really liked that experience. And I, um, for a day job, am in financial planning. So I really like sitting across the table from someone else, hearing about their goals, their life circumstances, uh, the time, the risk tolerance, et cetera, et cetera, and kind of crafting a tailored plan. And so it was a really natural extension um, to just do that in running as well. Uh, and I've been doing it. I do it all remotely. So um, it isn't a huge time suck. It's not as if I'm out at the track every night with a whistle, um, just all, all building plans online. But, um, but it's been a big part and a really rewarding part of my life for a while. Oh, that's very cool. That's really cool. Um, I was going to ask, like, sure. what is it right now with your clients or the, the, the folks that you coach? Because, well, my first question was sort of going to be, so what goals did you have coming into this, into the season? Because I know for mm -hmm. folks who have read the article, it starts, it opens with you and sort of like, we're all coming into the spring here. And this is really when the time running really begins to hit its stride for the year. You have all these big races that are coming up, Boston, uh, so many others and lots of ultras and you, none of us can do any of those things. right? Mm -hmm. now. So, yeah. Um, how have you been handling that? You know, that's the million dollar question. Um, <clears throat> personally, I, for, for me, speaking from my experience first, completely lucked out for two reasons. One is I already for a long time have had a goal that I wanted to accomplish that had nothing to do with the race. And that was this FKT on the uh, lakefront path. I run that every single day, more or less. And I moved to Chicago, to downtown Chicago about a year and a half ago. And from day one, I thought, there's got to be a record here. And if there is, I want to, you know, investigate it. And once I figured out what it was and that it was kind of achievable, it was always a goal in the back of my head. So I thought I've been thinking for a year now, if there's ever a lull in my calendar, this is what I'm going to do. Um, so that was, I was fortunate in that sense that I had this goal that had nothing to do with the race. And I was particularly lucky is that I just happened to pick the weekend to do it before the lakefront trail closed. Um, so I think a lot of issues that people, uh, an issue that people are dealing with now is a lot of the places they like to run are just closed or they feel unsafe going there. I chose the weekend to do it right before the lakefront trail was closed. Um, so I don't think, um, so for, for me in particular, the stars sort of aligned. Um, in terms of other folks and athletes I'm working with, it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, Runners, by definition, are goal-motivated. We need a light at the end of the tunnel to work towards. So I think this period is really forcing a lot of runners, um, at least the few athletes that I work with, to reevaluate the relationship with running. Why are they running? Um, yeah, what has it always been for the next race? Has it always been for, I don't know, to, to put it crudely, the Instagram likes? What are they really training for? Do they like getting out there every day? Because right now, the only thing 
that's motivating them to get out there every day is the love to get out there every day. In fact, they have to love it so much that they have they put themselves maybe at a little bit of risk right now by going outside. Um, so it's 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 a, a very. I, I mean, I don't think any runner has ever faced a position like this. Um, I have. I I think the athletes that I'm working with, I've framed it in a couple of ways. We can um, rest and reset. That's the obvious one. You can take a step back which is perfectly normal. You can focus on other things in your life. You can give your body a break. You can maybe start some PT work that you've been neglecting. Um, maybe start a meditation practice. Just sort of take that time that you've been running and focus on something else. Um, I find a lot of athletes and myself in particular are like, yeah, that sounds great. I want to keep running. So how can I keep running? <laughs> um, I think this is a good time. Um, if you can train safely and if you feel comfortable training outside to focus on speed work. A lot of runners are, um, you know, speed work kind of takes a back seat to tailoring exactly what you're going to do for the race. If you're training for a marathon, you don't necessarily need 5k, 10k speed, but I found that whether you're a back of the packer, front of the packer, ultra marathon or mile runner, that sort of 5k, 10k speed is really translatable, but there's not a lot of time to work on it. So I, I'm working with a lot of runners. Just, this is a great time. Let's set aside big long runs and things like that. And just, just kind of really focus on speed. Um, I have some runners though, too, who it's always been in their, it's on their bucket list to, to put together a big week, an 80 mile training week, a hundred mile training week. I'm like, okay, now's the time we have, you have all the time in the world. You have the time to run, you have the time to rest and recover. Um, you don't necessarily need to be peaking for a race. So if we kind of beat you up, so to speak. It's, it's not as if you're going to compromise your performance of the marathon. Um, so building volume in is nice. And then I have some, some athletes who just want to challenge themselves, um, set a PR, even if it's not in a race, they just want to get out there, try to run a 10 K as fast as they can. Um, and a lot of, there are a lot of virtual runs too, which facilitate, uh, it, you know, adds a little bit more structure and purpose, I guess you could say to their, to their, uh, attempts. So, it really runs the gamut. There's no, I don't think there's one right way to be a runner right now. That's a, those are great point. And I've just noticed just in my own email inbox, looking around online, it seems like the number of virtual runs has just exploded right now. I mean, it's oh, just like it's, popcorn. It's I mean, huge. It's like, <laughs> <you know. laughs> absolutely. It's uh, I mean, absolutely. Some runners are, they have more opportunities to quote unquote race now than they did even if there were all the 5Ks and 10Ks in the world, um, just because there's a virtual race every week, single weekend. Um, and Everest challenges I've been seeing too, things like vertical challenges where people try to collect as much vertical feed as they can um, in a, in like a period of time. They have a, buildings and things or? Things like that, yeah. So uh, obviously those who live in more uh, hilly areas are better, have a better terrain to do this. But yeah, I just collecting feet collecting vertical feet, um, whether that's up the same sort of hill in their backyard or if they have mountains, obviously finding a steep hill, but um, just just ways to challenge yourself that doesn't involve being around a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> that's, it's, that's really interesting. I mean, it, it is interesting just the creativity that people are coming up with. I mean, just the things I'm seeing online people are doing, whether it's going to the top of their building if they live in a large city and running just around the, you know, the, the, the rooftop, um, that's right. Blown me away. It uh, truly, uh, it's it's. Uh, I think people 
runners it's like it's like water it's a river you know it's gonna find its natural it needs to flow uh and runners need to run and challenge themselves and whether that's in a big city marathon or doing 120 laps around their building they're gonna <laughs> find something to do you know yeah what are you hearing from other people that in the running community right now in terms of like i mean because everybody sort of wants to know and this, it may be unfair to ask you this because there's probably no way you can sure. know, no, no, know the answer to it. But like, what do you, do you have any sort of sense of when people think things will reopen up or when we can get back to some semblance of normal? Like, yeah, you know, I, I wish I knew the answer. I am, uh, <laughs> uh, I have a very hard time believing, sorry if you hear that dinging, um, but I have a very hard time believing that people are gonna feel comfortable at a massive city marathon, which is to say shoulder to shoulder with 10 to 20,000 people, unless there is a vaccine, right? You know, it's, I, I don't know, hopefully I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I can't imagine people are gonna feel great about jamming into the Chicago Marathon Corral uh, with, with a person a foot in front of them and behind them, unless there's a vaccine and um, who knows when that's gonna happen. I do hope and I think trail, trail races, smaller 10Ks, um, things of that nature will will start to pop up maybe in the fall, uh, maybe next year. Honestly, honestly, I don't know. And it's um, it's it's a little unsettling, you know, because um, for myself and athletes I work with, I think we could comfortably plan out the next three to four months and stay motivated there. Like this is a good block to focus on, like I said, speed or volume or set a challenge. But then after three or four months, it's um you know, what do you do? Do you just do it again? <laughs> you know, uh, I think we're excellent question, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, honestly, I, I obviously don't know the answer to that, but I cannot imagine that lot that everyone is going to feel comfortable going back to a big city marathon unless there is immunity. Um, and you know, by everything I've read that will probably take at least a year. <laughs> Yeah, they keep saying, you keep hearing that number thrown out, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. That's probably the best case. That's in a, in a pretty aggressive timetable for when you can look for, Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, running is, is, is not very important right now. Um, but to, it means a lot to a lot of people, and it's something we care about. So it's a, it's yeah. a question worth asking and thinking about. Yeah, definitely. What are... Um, what do you, my last couple of questions are like, what do you recommend to somebody who is somebody you work with or somebody who's just a really passionate recreational runner who, uh, what I hear from the folks who write into me for the newsletter a lot is they're dealing with sort of a loss of focus. And there's sort of that, mm -hmm. they did use these races as just like you mentioned yep. earlier, as their goals to shoot for. And sort of almost they organize the year around. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of them are feeling sort of a sense of loss and a sense of sadness about that. Um, what do you tell people? Like if, if you're talking to somebody. It's, it's, um, I mean, this is much easier said than done. That is my massive caveat, <laughs> but it's all a matter really of, of perspective. So when in the past runners look at their races as their motivating factor, it is sort of what guides them day to day. It's what's in the back of their head and it is, um, where they place their value. And I think it's just a matter of shifting that value, tr trying to find another reason to run, um, which again, much easier said than done. Races are so fun and you get celebrated for finishing them and you get all the Instagram likes and you get a medal. 
Um, so it's easy for that to be the motivating factor, the light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, you really just have to kind of shift your perspective and celebrate yourself and celebrate things that aren't races. So that could be consistency. I think that is the most important thing, full stop in training is consistency. So maybe set a goal to hit 25 miles a week or whatever your kind of, um, what, what number that's just slightly challenging for you four weeks in a row. That is a goal in and of itself. And then you can log it all on Strava. And at the end of the week, you know, you just see the perfect 25, 25, 25, 25. That's a nice aesthetic little thing you can look at and celebrate yourself. Um, celebrate consistency. Celebrate um, like just I, I, if you wanted to set your PRs, that can be something. But a lot of times people find it hard to really hit that gear, that hot next gear of intensity that's required to set a PR when you're all by yourself. Um, so I think it's it's a combination of, like I said, shifting your perspective, but also giving yourself patience and grace. It's okay to feel um, awkward and out of place and unsure of what to do. Um, and just knowing that it's okay to feel that way uh, and, and give yourself some freedom to feel that way. And then um, once you kind of feel that sense of loss, because we're all, we've, we've all lost our goals for the summer as runners and fall, um, and then just kind of recalibrating what you're valuing. maybe you know, just, just set in a challenge as we talked about, whether that's a virtual run, whether that's climbing 10,000 feet in a week, whether that's running more miles in a week than you ever have, whether that's um, putting together two workouts a week for a month, you know, integrating speed work in a very consistent way. Um, just, just kind of, instead of having a race be the goal, it's, it sometimes literally requires writing down new goals, put it on paper. Here's what I'm going to do. Um, and to repeat myself a third time, much easier said than done because you don't get all the Instagram likes, you don't get the medal. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is not going to be wasted training. It's all, all the hay is going into the barn and it's going to stay there. You're just going to be that much better and that much fitter for it when we come out the other side. Um, and if you take this time to just be really sedentary and I don't want to say throw a pity party, but if you really, if you really decide to be inactive, um, for this entire quarantine, that's a hole you're going to have to dig yourself out on the other side. So why I don't want runners I work with, and I don't really advise anyone to be peaking, to be getting in the best shape of their life. I think maintenance fitness, um, so to speak, is is essential right now. If you're, if you're a long-term, lifelong runner, um, this is just more opportunity to keep laying that groundwork, to keep laying the bricks. Awesome. Oh, that's, that, that's a great way of putting it. I love that. The phrase you have about, but there's, this is hay in the barn, you know? You hay know, in the barn. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's it's all in there. Yeah. How are you mentally approaching your own running right now? Um, yeah. So I, um, I, I kind of had a shift uh, a few years ago where I really, really started, um, enjoying the process of, of training. And I know, um, I think that's for a long time, I think I deluded myself into thinking I was a process oriented runner, but I really was just going from race to race. Mm -hmm. And about a year ago, I worked with a really great coach. His name is David Roach. And he helped me appreciate training for the sake of training. Um, and I, I really do like racing, but for the longest time, um, I was training just to race. And so, uh, this opportunity to train without any race on the calendar is honestly a gift. It is something that I'm really happy about that I can just um, 
I can train. And if I have a little niggle pop up, I can take some time off. If I get exhausted, I can take some time off. I don't need to string together what I think is a perfect eight weeks of training right before a race. You know, I can, I can, I can go with the flow and I can just sort of train. And that honestly, to me is a, is a lot of, that sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm in the, I'm in the fortunate position where I, um, that doesn't really upset me as just not having a race on the calendar. I'm excited about that. Um, I also, uh, so I live in downtown Chicago, but uh, my parents live out in the suburbs. So I will occasionally drive out to a round where they live and run on the empty country roads. I just know that terrain very well. I know that it's, excuse me, not going to be crowded. So I am in a position where I have a car and I know where to go to find empty trails and empty roads. I know a lot of people don't have that. So personally, I'm, I'm trying to practice what I preach, everything I just preached to you and use this as an opportunity to put a lot of hay in the barn, to really just kind of train and not have the pressure of a race hanging over my head. Like I said, if I, if I have a little niggle pop up or if I'm exhausted, I don't have to push through it just because I feel like I need to hit 80 miles that week or whatever. I can just go with the flow. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at. We'll see if that motivation is still there in four months and there's still no race on the calendar, but um, just trying to take it uh, week by week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. That's, I think that's an excellent place to stop. And I actually got in touch with David Roach. I sent him an email. Um, oh, I'm going to interview him at some point in the next week. Oh, wonderful. So. He is, uh, he's a guru of running. It's incredible. Uh, the, he's in, both as a person and as a resource for, um, or training. I mean, it's just, uh, he's an amazing person. He really, I read his book last year. He and his, in Megan's book. And so I was blown away by it. So I'm really excited. Yeah. To um, what are there any, like, you know, what, just a sort of a closing question, mm -hmm. any three resources, either it's a book or a podcast or anything like that, that you really recommend for, for runners in general or runners right now? Uh, Yes. Well, I mean, it's uh, perfectly appropriate to what we were just talking about, but David and Megan Roach's book, The Happy Runner, um, really helped me. And I, I work with David, so I get a little dose of that every single day. But his book really helps articulate, much more clearly articulates and help frame everything that you and I just talked about, which is why you're running. For instance, that the book, it's I don't know, 300 page book, it's a sizable book. It's only in the last half that he talks about training. The first half is all about you as a person, your relationship with running, your relationship with food and sleep and recovery, your, the intrinsic motivation, the ex extrinsic motivation of running. Um, and I think, boy, if there's ever an opportunity for runners to um, have to have those conversations with themselves, now is the time. Um, and I cannot think of a better resource than the happy runner to really help you um, start that conversation with yourself. Um, he, they're both really good writers, really funny writers. Uh, they have a dog. The dog's name is Addie and Addie is sort of the guiding voice through this whole book. So it's a really fun read. Um, I listen to, uh, or excuse me, read the happy runner. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, that's really it. That, and I just, I really appreciate your time. This has really been a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you reaching out, Terry. Yeah. Sure.
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, um, next time we chat, I'll have a, a few races behind me we can talk right. about. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Have a good one, and we'll talk again soon. Okay. Take care, Terry. You too. Bye-bye.